Being a professional isn't about the money you make, the position you hold, your level of expertise or fame. It's the motivation and the attitude you bring to your work. A desire for always learning and improving and balancing your creative output with getting the business done. Welcome and join the Creating Pros. Hi, and welcome back to Creating Pros. I'm your host, Jim Nettles, and this week I have drafted in an old friend to come in and talk about a lot of fun. We're going to be talking about music, we're going to be talking about art, we're going to be talking about writing, and we're going to be talking about the crazy of creativity. So, Linda, would you like to introduce yourself? Tell everybody hi. Hello. I'm Linda Robertson Reinhardt. I have written books as Linda Robertson and Linda Robertson Reinhardt. And my first CD was Linda Reinhardt because I thought I should keep these things separate. Of course, that was a bad plan. And now I've put them together. And I'm Linda Robertson Reinhardt. All sorts of troublemaking. Yeah. Uh, let's just say you need Scholar to help produce the production in the background. So. Well, if I had a crystal ball, I would be able to see into the future and realize separate is not where I want to be anyway. So putting both things together, the writing and the music. So let's talk about your early days in rock and roll. Um, you know, how'd you get started in music? What'd you start playing? What brought you into that side of things? Um, well, when I was six, my sister was taking piano lessons and my mom thought I should. But the piano teacher was like, she's not ready because I was just goofing off. And I went back when I was eight. And then I took lessons until I was 15. She basically said she couldn't teach me anymore. Not because I had learned everything that she had to teach, but I wasn't listening anymore. I was taking sheet music and just modifying it and like taking it as guidelines and doing whatever I wanted. So she cut me loose and I started begging for a guitar. And and my dad bought me a guitar because... Um, I, I don't know why he bought me a guitar because it's so loud and it's so crazy. You would think who would do this, but at least it wasn't a drum set, right? Um, I played every day, all day. I, I went to school. I came home. I played guitar. I had dinner. I went to bed or I played guitar and then I went to bed, got up and did it all over again. I, I couldn't get enough. Um, once I figured out bar chords, I could play anything. You know, and, you know, I could play everything ACDC ever did because it's not that hard. It's all bar chords. And I felt like I was an amazing player. But the truth is, I'm not that great. I'm just pretty good. But like with my piano teacher, what I could hear, I wanted to modify. And so I guess all these years I've been a frustrated composer and didn't have the tools to do so until my husband, wonderful, wonderful scholar, got me Pro Tools about six years ago now, maybe seven. Oh, no, six. And um, I've done two CDs, and and there's you're not you're not stopping me now. No, I'm not. I'm you're going. 
yeah, I, I don't know what, what else to say, but that's, that's where I, I get, Oh, well, when I, when I play guitar, um, see, I got one when I was 15 and at 16, I was in a band at 17. I was lead guitarist in a rock band that was, um, the house band of a local bar and, God, that was fun. Being underage, being in the bar when you're not supposed to, it's fantastic. The the other bands of of the area kind of looked at us. Um, the the drummer was 16; she was a year younger than me. But everybody else we played with was obviously old enough to be in the bars. But the the guys in the bands looked at us like little sisters. So what did you learn kind of from that early stage of being up in front of people and having to try and get it right or not get it right and improvise all the stuff you get out of live performance? Um, I hated it. <laughs> You'll probably not be surprised to hear that I do not like being in front of people. Um, I, I would sit in a garage or in a practice room and jam all day and have a blast. But actually getting up in front of people, it puts a whole nother level on there that I just shake. Um, I, I remember even the last time that I played out, like I have no idea when, probably 10 years ago or so ish. Um, we, we were doing, um, Oh, it was Billy Idol. It was Rebel Yell. And and I was singing it and my leg was shaking so hard that I could feel my pant leg moving. And and I mean, I got through it and people applauded at the end. I'm not, again, not a great singer, but I I think they they were kind. <laughs> and I I just love that feeling of being in a band and playing something and hearing it all come together there there's nothing like that energy but there's a lot of people who who enjoy performing and that energy that they get back from the crowd is what they are sustained by and that i haven't figured out how to flip that switch and and get it, how to feed on that energy. I'm too nervous. I'm going to mess something up, which is another reason why Pro Tools is perfect. I can edit all the time. So so let's talk a little bit about what it, what kind of music are you doing these days? Um, well, you're never going to get the rock and roll out of me. Never, never. Um, but I, I think one of the reasons that I gravitated towards heavy metal was because the sound is so big and so full. Like all the instruments have their own tonalities, their, their, their place, you know, the bass is this range to this range on the, like the low end of the keyboard and the guitar is in the middle there. And then the keyboards can go all the way up top. When you're using all of those notes or, 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 spanning that complete distance uh, of sound it's full and it's rich and it's awesome and i love it and an orchestra does the same thing obviously on a bigger scale so give me the orchestra give me the big sound and let me throw a guitar in there or something unusual with it and that's that's a sweet spot 
Well, and it's kind of fun because one of the things that's really interesting is when you see somebody playing metal, but they do an orchestral backup and you discover how much of a relationship there is into that kind of music. Um, so what then kind of brought you over into starting to play with art? Oh, I've, I've always drawn as well. Um, like since, you know, grade school, I was, I was very into drawing and um, I, I think I was a little late to the idea of graphic arts. Um, but I, again, it's, it's such a fascinating medium because if, if you screw up, you can erase it. It's not like paint. It's not like um, pencil on paper where if you've erased, you know, so many times you're, you're screwing up the paper now. Um, the, the digital medium is so forgiving and allows you to, to do so much. And I, I went to school for that to be a graphic artist and I ended up working at a real estate company doing their ads, which is so non-creative, but you know, they're the crossover of the creative stuff and the, the real world need for your skills. Um, I, I've, gosh, I've dabbled in so many different things, haven't I? So what kind of art are you doing for your own self these days? Um, well, the covers for the books and um, in the Eminent series, every um, point of view character has a, kind of an icon, a, a piece of art that heads up the scene for their point of view. Um, it's not just each chapter, it's each scene. So if, if you're reading the book, and I hope you have a, a color e-reader, because um, the, the black and white's good, but it's not as, as awesome as the, the full color. But um, like the main character, Jovianne, her icon evolves over time. It, it changes throughout the series as she changes and other characters too if if you're paying attention it's it's just an extra little um bit of me that i get to put in the books and 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 share and i've done characters um so like i know what they look like to me and the the places and different different things for that and i do that um but i've also i dabbled in paint when I was younger, but I've started painting now as a means to get away from the computer because everything I, it seems like I do is is on the computer. So I started painting at Painting Sundays, and I'm I'm loving getting back to that and and where I can't erase. I have to wait for paint to dry and go over it again. So. Well, since we started talking a little bit about the writing as well, what pulled you into starting to do novels? Because it's not like you didn't have enough to do. <laughs> well, um, when I was young, my mom was an avid reader and she she read every evening and that got me reading, of course. Um, and I went from the Encyclopedia Brown to Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys books to um, 
Walter Farley and the Black Stallion series and then into fantasy because um, I I loved Star Wars, loved it. Um, and that just opened up a whole new door uh, when I when I discovered, you know, fantasy and, and sword and sorcery and stuff. And I read everything I get my hands on. And then at some point it was like, where where am I? in these these books it's it's always you know a dude who gets to have the adventure and stuff and i found um linda rock no not linda jennifer roberson um she her sword dancer series and and i was blown away because here here's a character a, a female lead but it's written from her partner's point of view but it's it's about her and I was like, I can tell stories. I can do this. I can write about a, a character that resonates with me. And I, I started writing. And um, gosh, I, I had my first book length thing. I think I did my senior year. I had a creative writing class at high school and I gave it to my teacher to read and that turned into a whole thing, but uh, I just, I never stopped. And the publishing industry is so tough. It was, it was so tough then. I think it's even tougher now, but I didn't, I, I kept submitting and submitting and going to cons and just wasn't getting anywhere. And eventually um, I, I submitted to a small press and she said, no, but here's why. And I was like, oh my gosh, somebody's telling me why. I, I can fix this if I know what they think is wrong. So I, I made some changes, asked her if I could resubmit. She said yes. And then um, before she could send me the contract, they were acquired by um, Simon & Schuster as a joint venture. And... It came out from a, a big press in New York anyway. I feel like I snuck in the back door. Came out from the big press. Yeah. I guess that's what matters. Sometimes luck is sometimes luck is just a part of the game. You know, we were you were on a show with us on Continual a couple weeks ago, and we started talking a little bit about how your process has kind of worked and because one of the things that I, I personally am jealous of, because I mean, I get to play with glass and I do some digital stuff and I get to play with things, but you've kind of got that trifecta going. When when the words aren't flowing, you can go play music and work on music and write something fun and create the soundtrack for the scene. Okay, that's not working. I'm going to go, I'm going to work on the imagery. I'm going to work on the art. I'm going to go paint. I'm going to get, oh, now I understand what to do with the words because I can see it. I can visualize it. And that is a beautiful trifecta because you can literally create the entire cinemascape and soundscape as an author. You get to show and pull the image straight out of your head to make your characters and the images. You're not trying to work with an artist who sometimes they'll deliver your vision better than you can. But, you know, as a writer, you know, we go with words because we're, it's, it's words. We can do that. Um, but that ability to blend all three mediums and literally give a soundtrack 
to your book. Talk a little bit about how that's kind of both evolved for you and what that gives you as a as an artist and a creator. Well, I think it all art feeds on other art. Like if if you hear a song and it, it gives you a mood, you you get that mood. You can apply that to a character. If if you see a, a piece of artwork that is moody and um, full of ominous presence, that that might spark an idea for a story in your head. And I get to work every which way with the stuff that inspires me. And and one one bit feeds the other and and just back and forth there there's no rhyme or reason to it it's it's just whatever is right if if the words aren't coming like like i said in the the other thing you're talking about um the the, the sound is there the mood the um right now the words aren't here <laughs> it's time for the music yeah um well, to me it's the mood it's the energy it's the you know you get the essence of the story because i mean there I, I don't do it as often as i used to i mean i used to play music for inspiration for scenes or listen to certain things put up specific pieces of art and inspiration sometimes i would sketch out what it was or sketch out the map or do the things that needed to happen. But it, there's a very specific ability to actually translate and transmute the inner, the creative energy into all the mediums you need to put it in front of you and put it in front of a, a reader, a listener. Um, and that's one of the things I thought was really kind of fascinating to me is the ability to move between those but also what does that do for you as a creator the ability to see it to hear it to actually put it there well okay say say you're making your your a, a montage for your desktop of the characters in the story you're working on right now and you think okay this guy's kind of like jack sparrow so you put a picture of, of johnny depp as as jack sparrow up on one side and you know, maybe james bond on the other or whatever um eventually there to me anyway i i would found myself falling prey to this they it's basically like writing a fan fiction you're just calling it something else because that person is acting and and saying things that that character would have said which is not wrong but it's it would create things in the story that wasn't exactly what i wanted to tell it's the adventure that guy would have had not my character and to to be able to create who I'm seeing keeps me from getting locked into doing you know things where they're just acting like somebody else. They're they're acting like who I need them to be. I'm I'm not influenced by what that actor's done. And I I, I don't know. I just I I want it that way to to keep me honest and and to make me dive deeper into who my character is not who 
that already established character might be. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, the, the book series, the writing project you've been doing. What kind of inspired Jolene? What kind of inspired the series? And, uh, you know, we can, even, if you want to, even talk a little bit about what you did to bring rights back and why to get that control back if you want to go down that path. Um, well, when it was originally, the first book was originally published by Outland, and when they went under, I they gave me the rights back. So it wasn't really <laughs> dramatic or, or anything weird there. Um, but the the first the, the first bit that I wrote of Jovian, which is essentially the first twenty five thousand words, um, my my son Ian, who's now twenty four, was not crawling when I when I first wrote that, and it was it started as an exercise to me. Basically, can I put a character in a situation where they're going to die and let them die? You know, how do you, how do you do that? You, you get attached to this character and it, it's not the same as having a walk on character who, who gets killed by whatever means it's, it's somebody that you are invested in and then you let them meet an end. And I thought, okay, I got this. I can do this. And, Everything I threw at her, it, and I know that it sounds psycho, but you know what I'm talking about as as an author. When that character is speaking and shouting and fighting in your head, she wasn't going to die. She said, nope, throw your worst at me. I'm not dying today. And I, I remember when I got to the end of it, I sobbed. I was crying at the computer because I couldn't. I put her through so much and she refused to die. And eventually that got turned into a novel and um, eventually Outland picked it up and um, it, it wasn't what it needed to be. It, it still wasn't right. And I, I guess as, a, as an author looking at early stuff, and, and knowing how far you've come and then going back and revisiting it, it's it's so much work to rewrite everything. And and the, the temptation is there to just, you know, tidy things up. And I think that's essentially what I did with, with the first printed version of Jovian. So I tidied it up. But Jovian was still a reflection of who I thought a leading lady or heroine should have been 20 some years ago. And things have changed so very much that she needed to change. And when, when the rights came back and, and eventually it was obvious, this is what I'm going to do. I needed to start it all over there was some good stuff in there that i kept but there there's things about her that just absolutely changed and and i'm i'm going to give you an example not really a spoiler but it, it's it's all in the first book um there there was a part of course there's a, a demon who she wants something the demon's like well i can get that for you but i need something from you first which of course he wanted to get in her pants and 
in the first version, she reluctantly said yes. And then they got interrupted by some other things. So it never happened. But she'd said yes. She was going to give that up to get the thing that she wanted. And ew, right? That, That feels ew right today. But in in the newer version, um, that same demon has the same kind of um, desire for her and the same uh, carrot bait, whatever dangling out there. And but but in this version, um, he's he's seen her as this awesome replacement for his boss because his boss isn't on earth his boss is in hell and he's here and he's absolutely smitten by the power that she exudes and of course she says no mm-hmm. but it it's flipped it you know he, he still has what she needs and she still needs it but she's she's a different person when it comes to that and i i feel very proud of recognizing and being able to allow what the original version was to modify as as i grew as as time went on and i knew more as you as you grow and develop because i mean again as as a creator we all have had temptations to go back and fix things things that were like you know i would have done this originally i thought about this i didn't want to do it that way at the time you know, especially if you've written something that's 20, 30 years ago and you've changed, times have changed. You know, how when you try to go back and look at some of that earlier stuff, what does it say to you about who you were then? Some of the songs that I love, but there there's some people that I have I don't listen to anymore because it's 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 a step too far. But um it, to to your 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 point, um in the opening, a, a bit that was was left from that original um, twenty four thousand is is it's her test, and she's been trained and she has to pass the test and she could very well die in the test. It happens all the time. She's facing a demon, and I I have I, I the demons have three different types. And they can do different things. And she's going to face one, but she doesn't know which type. And, you know, as, as an author, I feel it's it's my duty to help the reader understand what kind of threat she's facing. Overall, throughout the whole book, I'm setting this up, right? And she faces a demon that she thinks is one type, but it's a different one. And it's it's fooling her. And the I've set up that the demons feed um, on death energy or sexual energy. So basically, this one's in a test. It, it's if it's going to kill her, it will be loose after that, and it needs all the energy it can get. Obviously, this demon is thinking it's going to feed one way and then the other. Mm-hmm. And I kept that. And I, I've talked to other authors about it, and and it was not an easy decision to decide to keep that in because there's other ways, rather than putting her in a you know pseudo rape scene, but 
it's 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 a little worse than that because of what the demon I don't want to give too much away, but um I, I kept it because it's true to what the demons would do. The the threat of that is real. It's not it's not there for the shock value. And and there's there's some smut in the books, but it's other characters it's and it's it's not gratuitous. It's it's not that kind of of it's not a sexy book. <laughs> um but the the that threat was real. And and I felt that needed to stand because it's what the demons would do. And it's it tells you a lot about her. You get a lot of, of her character in that moment, how she deals with that. If we take a look at this idea of story and storytelling, you know, when you look at all the different mediums you work in, what does that do for you to be able to tell the story and maybe even refine the story that you're going to write in your head because you can create music. You can see what they really look like. You can, you can kind of feel all of that in, in one way. And if you need to experiment or you need to refine it, you can actually go in and, and do all of that for yourself. Um, you know, how much does that really bring to you as, as a writer and as a creator or the ability to write a story and put it to music? Well, okay. I it, authors can can create that that palette of of characters with faces of of people. I'm I'm just I'm I'm doing that on my terms with the skill set that I, that I have. Like I I don't have to just find an actor or somebody who looks similar to that. Um, so I don't I don't think that's really all that different. It's just part of my process of getting to know them is is making that face and and seeing you know expressions and and stuff come together but it's the 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 themes um okay i'm i'm going to be silly for a minute but you know da da dun da 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 you not perfect but you know what that is globally there, there's not very many people on the planet that wouldn't know Indiana Jones theme. You know, the first four notes is all you need. Da, 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 da. It's all you need. Name that tune. Yeah. And when you hear that theme, you know, in, in your head, you probably see Harrison Ford. You probably remember, you know, the the giant boulder rolling behind him or something in that film that was exciting to you. And it takes you right back to that story. And it everything about that story can be brought to the forefront forefront of your memory with four notes. Mm-hmm. Right? That's that's amazing. Um and I don't know if anything that, that I make is ever going to get to that level. Probably not, you know, realistically, but it's not that way to me. I I can hear them. I, I can hear their themes. I can, 
when I hear that song, I know that scene in that book. And um, gosh, like, um, uh, Olaim, I I can see that scene so clearly in my head when I hear that music. And if I can, if I know what needs to happen and I can hear it, the way it, the, uh, the motion, the, the everything, I get chills, you know, and I know that I've brought all of those pieces together as best as I could. And if, if people read my books and they like the music and they like the art, I'm, I'm getting close for, for that reader to, to that thing that, that, you know, the Indiana Jones theme does for me or the Pirates of the Caribbean theme or Star Wars or the list goes on and on. You know, what, that, that there's an association if they put this music into their, their Spotify playlist, when they hear that, they're going to think about, you know, some bit of that book or maybe the art or whatever. And it, it's just, it's a cohesive product to me. It's one thing and there's all these layers of it and why wouldn't I share the, these other bits? If I'm going to do them to help me write the book, why wouldn't I share them? Well, yeah, you were talking a little while ago about instruments and which ones you can play and some of the ones you can hear them, but you haven't been able to learn yet, you know, but you've got the ability to hit all the notes. And I think that if you, you know, you're thinking in terms of, you're able to hit all the notes. You're able to immerse somebody the way that I can't as a writer, you know, because I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be playing music. Trust me, nobody wants that. And I assure you, no one wants to hear me sing. Um, in fact, uh, I think I've been paid for not to sing. <laughs> I've been paid more not to sing than to sing if I really think about it. But <laughs> getting the ability to kind of hit all those notes um, you know, I think it's something for the, both for you to go and create, but I think it also gives insight to a reader and to a fan, a much deeper understanding of the characters and the story and, and who you are as a creator. Um, because again, you are pouring that emotion into all of these different plots. You know, yeah. it, it, it's you across all of them. Um, well, different characters need different instruments. Like a, a violin isn't going to do it for everybody. A flute isn't going to do it for everybody. And I, as much as I would love to play the violin or the cello or any of those string instruments, they have no frets. And I am used to frets. Those frets tell me where the note is. I don't know how violinists do this they they have years and years of knowing this is where this one is i guess and that's intimidating to me aside from the the, the bowing there's dude i give me pro tools yes please and i i just i want to put this out there some people may think that it's that that you're taking things that are established and just layering them together and it's 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 really it's note by note i'm putting each note each drum beat each the the vocal things um oh there's i i have a, a library it's some really cool vocals they're um like oh 
Sahara or some, something like that. It's, it's like Middle Eastern. It's such a gorgeous voice. And there's individual notes and then there's bits where, where she'll do that. It's, it's not ululations, but I don't know what the, the word is, but where they, they do a little run of stuff. And that, I didn't pick all those notes. That's what she does. But there's like 400 of those and different keys and different things. And you got, you know, I'm going to play in the key of F and hers and F also happens to have these other notes that I don't want in there. I, it can't be that one. So it's, it, it's so time consuming sometimes to find just the right bit when it's already recorded as a multi-note um, stem, I think is what the pros call those or stems. Um, but I, I seem to go for a lot of the individual notes because that's, that's me getting to make those decisions as opposed to the, the singer just doing a, a multiple noted run that may or may not fit into the key of what I'm doing. Anyway, I'm babbling. <laughs> well, actually, I, so I'm going to go off script a little bit here myself because somebody left me in charge. Uh -oh. Um, you know, I've been doing a lot of shows, a lot of talking about what all the new AI tools mean for creators, um, you know, in terms of artists, in terms of writers. How are some of these tools? How are you using some of these? And are they helping you? Are you concerned about some of these AI driven tools? Um, have you looked at some of them? I I think the the AI stuff, what I've seen looks cool. I have not dabbled with them. I do not want to dabble with them. And I completely understand why artists and, and writers are upset with, with basically a computer, you know, stealing from them and using their stuff. I mean, where, where kids aren't allowed to go online and just copy and paste stuff in and turn it in for a report, it's, it's the same thing. Um, just a computer's doing it now. And I, so many people in my feed have played with stuff and posted stuff and it's really cool what, what they come out with and whether it's, it's images of them or like a superhero that they're having redone as, um, different characters. It's, it's neat to see, but I'm I'm not sure that has a place, especially in book covers or um, I, I I don't know because it's building on on the work of others. In I guess being influenced by artists and and writers and musicians, I still have to go and make the thing myself. And to have a computer come in and do it in, in 20 seconds feels like such a cheat. Well, one of the things that I've, I've said repeatedly, and, and actually it's made into a couple of the articles I've written about it as well, is it's a tool. And, you know, if we, like last week I was talking about chat GPT. If you look at that, it's not quite the same because, but what it gives you is very derivative, very middle of the road, very baseline starting points. Um, does it, is it concerning to me as a writer? Yeah, there's a lot of ways it's concerning to me as a writer. 
most of which are that people are going to think that's going to give something that's a finished product and it's it's not um now i've looked at and worked with some tools that are building on that system where the people have added additional filtering and additional layering stuff like that to do things like copywriting and to me again largely what i've seen is like okay that's an average student figuring out the first time they're writing something but some of the things that i've seen in terms of uh, mid-journey ai or wonder or some of these things you can physically see what was pulled from another piece of art and and definitively i think there's a lot of copyright law and copyright issues um tor.com put out a book where they showed specifically the piece of AI generated art they modified. And I think there is going to be a big question um, around where that line is drawn. Um, I was on a show last week talking about some of the IP implications of this and how, you know, some of the blockchain sort of things are going to come in for us as creators, you know, to be able to register and say, yeah, this is, this is mine and, and this is where it came from. But as as a writer, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I have the security at least in that uh, no AI is probably going to be doing the glass blowing that I do anytime soon. But, uh, you know, as a writer, I look at it and view it as a tool. I view it as, uh, but it again, to me, it's a starting point. And often if you really know what you're doing, it's a crutch you that will slow you down more than anything else. But. I have my concerns about how some of it's going to be used. Um, but at the end of the day, I also still think it's a tool, uh, you know, that right now things are free because we're teaching those systems how to work. And at some point, I think people are going to get some sticker shock on the price tags to access these tools. But I think we're going to see a blip right now. People having fun and playing with them and they may get surprises later on where some of their work is going to show up. Yeah, I I can't I can't say that I would love it if if my stuff showed up in a in a computer thing, you know, my art, like no. But that that's again, I haven't played with those. I don't intend to and that's that's not my zone. <laughs> I I work too hard to develop my my graphic artist skills to not to to, to engage in that cheat I, there's there's so much art out there of other characters like this the star wars characters for instance people do all of that but it essentially for a lot of it i think it comes back to who those actors were and people finding photographs of them and going from that but then they're doing their own thing Sure, it looks like Carrie Fisher, but they did something with Carrie Fisher's features and and did that. It's not it's not the same. You know, when I look at and talking about actors, you know, and and the things that that they do and who they become, you know, I think that as a writer, sometimes yeah, we can use characters like that as an influence or an inspiration. At the same time, I mean, let's let's take Johnny Depp. You know, he there's similarities across characters, but at the same time, he can play very, very different characters and roles. And I think that we as writers, we as artists, we as creators 
we're always building on top of what's come before, the people that are influences, the people we learn from. But there's a difference between are you the writer and an actor that has the one, the one shtick, or do you immerse yourself in the work? And I think one of the things that's important is, and that I wanted to kind of go into is you are immersed in the work. And this is the art. This is the writing. This is the music. This is, this is hitting all of the notes. This is playing the whole band to tell the story. And I don't have to stand up on a stage in front of people to do it. Yes. As you're doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is different. Um, but, you know, again, I think this is one of those things that, that does make a lot of your stuff unique is that, that level of storytelling. And so as you're working in kind of those mediums, how cognizant are you of what it means to flip between the mediums or is it flowing that seamlessly now? I don't, I, I would not dare say that it's seamless. Um, when, when one isn't working, I go to the other and well, <laughs> um, I would like to be writing on the next series right now, but we're, we're about to print the books and we are, <laughs> um, we're, we're doing full color print because of the artwork inside. And Scholard and I had a discussion. It's like, we're, there's so many pages that are just black ink. There's no color in them, but you're still paying for the full color for the whole thing. And, and it was like, why, why don't I do some art special for the print books that aren't in the eBooks? Because it's not going to cost any more to stick it in there. So I'm going back and I'm doing more than I had done before which is very much not seamless, <laughs> but um, just taking the opportunity to to do that. And I'm having a lot of fun with it, but gosh, I'm, I'm ready to move on to the next thing. Um, but it's, it's reassuring to me that I know that, that across this trilogy, I've built up my own confidence in, in my ability to go from one to the other and know that it's going to influence. And it's not a waste of time that it's, it's bringing some impact back and, and knitting the, the threads of, of this story tighter with each, each other, each thing that I do. I'm not sure threads is the right analogy there it might be bricks we're building a bigger wall or something i'd have to think on that well and since you are kind of moving the indie route what other options does that really give you because i mean again the the joy of going from trade pub to indie is you get the control yeah you, know, you can you you can make the decisions what was that decision you know when you made that decision especially with where the tech is now what other options do they give you? And yeah, you know, oh. which do you prefer? Oh, oh, I have scars from traditional publishing. Um, I, again, as I mentioned earlier, I feel like I got in the back door. 
um, with the Persephone series. And the the sixth book in that series, there's supposed to be nine. The the sixth book came out when um, Barnes & Noble was having their pissing contest with Amazon. Um, no, am I saying that right? So, no. Simon Schuster. Simon Schuster was having a pissing contest with Barnes & Noble. The, the big thing about they're they're selling it for for a different price in the store than over here and this is a problem because simon schuster wants them to sell everything at all the same prices and they're like you can't tell us what to do and they ended up they pulled all the books that were from simon and schuster from the shelves for that month and or probably six weeks or more and that was when my sixth book came out so i had people reaching out to me saying, you know, I tried to get your book, but they told me I was going to have to pay shipping to get it sent to my house because it's not going to be in the store. And that that was the end of my career right there as a, as a traditionally published author. And um, self-publishing was was going on and it was starting. It This was, you know, 2013. And I... I, I had my head on wrong because I just, I felt like if it's not out of New York, it's not legit. It's not, that's not what I want. And it it's taken me way too long to understand how wrong I was with, with that mindset. Um, I in, ended up trying the small press with Ragnarok and they, a few months after Jovian came out, they closed their doors, nothing to do with the book. Um, but they sent everything to me, um, gave me all, all the rights back and everything. And that was 2017. It's 2023. And these three books just came out last fall. It still took me a while to get my head screwed on straight. And when understand I spent 20 years dreaming of being a published author and then I got it and they yanked the rug out from an under me for through no fault of particularly my own I mean sure the books could have been better and that wouldn't have happened maybe wouldn't have happened it wouldn't have happened um but it, it took a lot to to even try to go back to the small press and then they closed their doors. I had contracts with them for more books and they just didn't exist anymore. That's rough, man. It's so rough and, and it's hurt. And it's so hard to climb that mountain again. Like, okay, traditional publishing, huge mountain. Um, small press, still a mountain, not as high. And then your your own press oh i i have i have heard some horror stories i've seen some things play out that were not not kind and i, I didn't want to put the first one out if i didn't have two and three in the bag i didn't want to let you know my lack of initial sales on number one stop me from completing the project I took I took years. I hired a professional editor in the end to go over everything so it's co cohesive from the editing standpoint. 
and there there's no perfect book there there's no perfect product but this is as close as i could get it as who i am today and i am very proud of it and whatever it happens i did this thing and it was all of me it was all my art my words my music and i that's that's huge I will climb this mountain again and again and again and and just do the self-publishing thing. I don't I don't need to be cut by them anymore. It hurts. Well, and I mean that's that's one of those things is that as more and more authors I know and work with, New York is not viable like it used to be. Um or I, I have been in talks with my former agent. For over two years, it's got to be two years now, emailing back and forth just to ask for a rights reversion. I, I, I don't get to talk to my former agent. I have to talk to an assistant. And, and this is stupid. This It should not take this long to even start the process or to, to get an answer. I don't know that the process has been started. I've been told that it's been started, but it looks like there's a six month process in, in the contract that I should have an answer. And that six months has elapsed over and over. I can't do anything about this. That is so frustrating that my work is out there. It should be returned to me, the rights of it. It's in the, the contract. I should have it. And I can't, get my hands on it and um I, I don't I I have to I could do audiobooks I have considered the idea of writing seven eight and nine and doing audiobooks for all of them and releasing seven eight and nine only as audiobooks because they can't touch those they can't stop me from doing those but then I have contained it all in, in one format because in Pro Tools, guess what I can do? An audiobook. Mm -hmm. Do I want to read that much? No. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, and I know we've talked over the years about, I, I think people sometimes picture the glamorous right, life of a writer, right? Especially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no no but I, I, you I don't think, know what you're getting into when you start you're all starry-eyed just like anything i'm sure the music business and the art business is no different yeah um sometimes it's once you once you start learning how the sausage is made you get to find out what the trip is uphill but you know at the same time you finally get to put out stuff that really hits and that's that's always the fun part too so so where can everybody get all this fun stuff um well the the books are ebook only amazon of course um the music is on spotify itunes whatever streaming i have cds haha -ha. um i i will be doing a few events this year um in late march we should have the print books we're hoping that's the the goal right now is to have have those 
printed and available then, but until then, I don't know. Um, the art, gosh, I, um, I have art on Redbubble. Um, I, I even have perfume on Etsy, dude. <laughs> um, and where's oh, the web? Huh? It's, it, uh, oil scent, scent oil scent. I can't say perfume because that sounds like it's girls, and it's actually more um, scented oils. Yeah, it's it's uh, not gender specific. And dude, I just sent some to Germany. It's so cool. It's so cool when people order stuff and you get to. It's like, where's this going? So anyway, um, yeah, it's all on my website. Links are are all over the place there. And what's your website? Uh, com. It'll shift over to author Linda Robertson, but that's okay. Linda Robertson. It's the short version of what you need to remember. LindaRobertson.com. Linda, thanks much for coming and hanging out and kind of sharing all of the ups and downs. Oh, dude. Yeah. So, and everybody will be able to go and pick up and add this to the two B reds. Hopefully. Add it to their Spotify lists so that and they've got the, so that you, you know, of course you're going to give them a playlist to listen to while they're reading the book, right? Oh, there, there's 28 songs and it goes through all three books. So it's, um, you, you can't just listen. You, nobody reads that fast, but there there's key songs for key moments. Well, Linda, thanks much. And hopefully we get to actually see each other in person soon. Dude. Until next week, I've been Jim Nettles, and this has been Creating Pros. Thank you.